Most often, the brightest smiles come from those who've struggled the most. What's behind your smile? Let's open up and talk about what's really going on behind the smile. And sometimes it's okay to fake it until we make it. I'm Bonnie Woodrick. Join me to gain insight on how many of us hide behind the smile to get through painful and difficult times. My podcast is a safe place where others can share their stories and discuss how opening up rather than hiding behind a smile allows for growth and happiness. Are you as curious as I am about what really goes on behind the scenes of ABC's hit show, The Bachelor? Today, we are going to meet Sydney Johnson of the controversial season 25 with Matt James. Sydney has been known as the strong one. She has an independent personality that needs to show strength instead of weakness and is always the happy social person. Sydney, like many others, hide their inner struggles to put on a brave front due to the stigma society has placed on mental health. Today, Sydney is a champion for everyone to get the help they need and talk about it freely, just as we do our physical health. So for all you Bachelor fans, let's go behind the scenes to learn more about what's behind the smile of Sydney Johnson. Sydney Johnson, welcome to the podcast via Zoom. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here and kind of just share my story a little bit. I think everybody that ends up on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette has their own interesting, unique story. But since so many people are familiar with that franchise and it's a number one hit ABC show, tell us a little bit of why you decided to sign up for that. Oh, boy. Well, it's a funny story. 2020 was a very interesting year. Uh, interesting is one word we can put on it. I had actually never watched the show. Wasn't a huge reality TV fan. But at the beginning of 2020, I had gone through a breakup. And it was a pretty tough one. And I just really hadn't been dating really much after that. And I had dinner with a friend randomly in the summer just to catch up because we hadn't seen each other. I guess they had just announced Matt as the the new lead. And so she was like, I'm going to nominate you. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's no, it's fine. Like, I'm good. I'll get back out in the dating pool eventually. And she's like, no, seriously, like, I'm going to. And I'm like, sure you are. So, you know, I think she's just talking and talk. Didn't really think too much of it. And then she ended up actually you know, following through and submitting me um, online. And again, didn't think anything would come of it. It They had like a record amount of submissions. So I just was like, it was just a fun game at this point. I'm like, sure, you can put me in the queue, but there's thousands they have to go through. So I'm not thinking anything of it. Well, you know, ironically, a little shortly afterwards, um, production uh, reached out and it kind of got me in the, the interview queue and that's all she wrote. And that's all she wrote. And there you were on season 25 with, with Matt James. Was the yeah. experience yeah. what you thought it was going to be? No. I think anyone who goes through it would tell you no, because there's truly, really no way you can describe it until you're there. And I think that was something all of us girls, when we got there, kind of formed a little bit of a bond there because we're like, no one, like people can think they know what's happening, you know, watching it. But unless you've been there and you've lived it, you have no idea. And you could have watched every season a hundred times and still showed up and had no idea. 
So it's it's definitely a very different experience. It's kind of hard to put into words unless you've been there for sure. Did you feel like most of the girls all liked each other and got along and supported each other? Yeah, you know, obviously there's, you're going to see certain things that play out on the show. And obviously those things did happen. But what you have to keep in mind is the episodes are what, two hours a week. And one episode is like a week of filming. You're not really seeing the full picture there. Obviously there are some things that happened that didn't put everyone necessarily in the best light, but there were so many great conversations that we had. We, you know, there's a lot of downtime if you're not on a date or something. So, I mean, you get to sit and chat and learn a little bit about people. And like you said, everyone is from completely different walks of life. So it's really nice to get to learn about different people who have different backgrounds than you, maybe different viewpoints and just have honest conversations. So I I really, truly did enjoy all of the women. Um, I still keep in touch to a lot of them to this day. So I definitely think they're a great group. With some of the girls not being put in the best light. Is that a conscious decision by the producers? Um, No, I mean, I can't necessarily say that. I mean, I think when you're in the moment, things happen. It's not everything. It's not like normal life. So tensions can be high. Emotions can be high. You're you're away from your family and friends and you're being filmed and it's just not something you're necessarily used to. So it's not like production isn't making anyone do anything, but there's definitely situations where, yeah, like the pressure can get to people and maybe you say something or certain thing that maybe isn't characteristic of you. But again, you can't say it's just because of production. There's just a ton of elements that are going on and you don't always see the whole story. So you just kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. You must have felt like kind of honored, though, at the time, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, 2020 was a a year and it was like kind of a game, you know, going through the interview process and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, that'll be it. I won't hear back from them. And then you get another call. And so it was just something exciting. I never I really, truly never thought that it would actually get to that point just because I know, I mean, there's thousands of people apply and maybe 30 make it. But it was just kind of something fun to do, um, to just going through the process. And so I never really thought that it would come down to that. And then you get that final call and you're like, oh, crap, this is real life. It's real life. And I have to get a new wardrobe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure out what I'm going to wear. Yeah. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to tell my boss I'm going to be gone. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely very uh, interesting. It's not something I ever would have uh, thought that would happen. Did you sense a chemistry between Matt and Rachel right away? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, again, like the first night you're meeting all the girls for the, and just as we're meeting everyone for the first time, like Matt is meeting everyone for the first time and obviously in a way different way that we're meeting just all together girls. So it's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, Rachel, she's a gorgeous girl and she's really sweet and she's got a really great energy to her. So so I wasn't necessarily paying attention to how he was with her because I was just trying to get my time in with him. But yeah, I could I could totally see, you know, them having, you know, chemistry right off of that. Well, you were in not only a COVID season, you were in a controversial season. Did you have to quarantine before actually getting and meeting everyone? Yes, there is a, a quarantine process we had to go through before we could start filming. And then with the whole Black Lives Matter was high on topic. Um, And being a Southern girl, how did you feel about Chris Harrison being suspended? I obviously have my own personal beliefs and and thoughts 
on everything that kind of went down with all of that. But, you know, I think he was with the franchise for, gosh, what, like 20 years? Um, and he obviously saw it through a lot. He started it from this random new reality TV dating show to the crazy behemoth it's become. And obviously he had a, a huge part in that. And I think there obviously conversations would have gone down offline that, you know, we're not all privy to. So you kind of have to just hope and believe that it all kind of worked out for the both for both parties. Um, I think Chris, obviously he loved his job. He loved what he did. But I also think if he agreed to it, he probably is transitioning to this next phase of life. Yeah. And I think that with Matt and Rachel, it looks like they've reconciled and I mean, life is all about lessons, right? Mm -hmm. And if we can't learn from them, then they don't make any sense to us. So I think that this was a great lesson that this season 25 brought, and that is acceptance of, of everybody. What do you feel is the lesson from that whole controversy with Rachel and Matt? Um, honestly, I mean, I think all, all of us, I mean, the cast, we learned a lot from going through the experience, but I think just in terms of having those conversations on a national scale, no matter really what side you're on, I think it was being discussed. Whereas typically in a primetime TV show, that may not be a big topic of conversation. And I think it kind of forced a lot of people who maybe had an opinion, but never really conversed that with others um, to kind of speak up. Um, and I think it was a big lesson to learn that a lot of times people don't necessarily think that they're in the wrong for their actions. I think going through it, it was more realizing that your actions have consequences, good or bad. That's right. So you can look at it anyway, and no one's perfect and everyone's made mistakes. And I think owning up to it and trying to just be more self-aware about how your actions can impact other people. I think that's all any of us can really do and just try to be better do the work every day to be better. And I think a lot of people learn that through all of that, for sure. Yeah, and I think that's a very important lesson. And I appreciate you bringing that up because you're right, we can all do better. Mm -hmm. So what was your takeaway from the experience of being on The Bachelor? My takeaway, I learned a lot about myself, honestly. You know, the filming you know, requirement, it's a lot different than normal life. And you get to learn more about yourself. You don't have the distractions and everything of normal life. So you kind of just get down to the basics. You know, you have more time with yourself to kind of process your feelings and your thoughts. And then you're meeting all these different people and from different walks of life and having these conversations and really just opening yourself up to different ways of life. And I think for me personally, I've struggled with putting myself out there and struggled with vulnerability. And I just feel like this season, I kind of like I had to, you know, that was, that was the only option. And yeah, it can be tough and it can be scary, but I think just putting yourself out there and just seeing how things play out instead of trying to play it safe your whole life, um, that was really kind of the biggest lesson I learned from it for sure. Yeah, well, life is all about experiences, and I think that you had an incredible experience, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So we're going to change gears a little bit. Um, you are a model and marketeer who has an in with the New York Giants and have been seen several times on the sidelines. So tell us about that. So my father uh, was an NFL coach for one year. His first NFL gig was in Nashville with the Tennessee Titans. So I moved there when I was eight and he was there for 11 seasons, which is insane. That never happens in football. And then from there, he was with the Minnesota Vikings for three years and then 
his last gig was with the Giants for six years. So, yes, I have been to a lot of Giants games. And, yes, it is nice, a nice perk when you're, your dad is a coach that you can sometimes get some sideline passes. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I grew up with football. I love football, um, our whole family. I mean, obviously, you kind of have to be when that's your life. But, yeah, I've gotten to meet a lot of great people, and it's really just opened up a lot of uh, opportunities that I never would have dreamed of. My dad will always say, he's like, I could have never dreamed that this would have been our life, you know, and, but he worked really hard to get to where he was. Yeah. So he's, he's a great one for sure. That's awesome. Well, I, I feel like inquiring minds want to know, since we were talking about you being on, on a dating show, have you ever dated one of the New York Giants? No, I have not. It's funny. People always say, they're like, why do you not just date one of the players? I mean, your dad is, I mean, hello. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also like, yeah, my dad. I mean, he's, it's, that, it, it was just never like that because anytime, most times I was around them, it was with my father. It wasn't really in that, like, kind of going out to young people situation. So most times it was, you know, my dad was present, like if we're at dinners or if we're at events. So it never really presented in that way, um, but that would kind of happen. Also, I just respected my dad and his, that situation too much to, you know, find myself in any of those situations. <laughs> well, I I think that I've heard that you have been described as opinionated mm-hmm. and would rather give your opinion rather than skirting around the issue. And you're the strong one. So tell us about your, your strength and what makes you so opinionated. It can be a strength and it also is a weakness, for sure. I just think... I, I mean, yes, I am not someone who's just going to sit and not let my voice be heard on, not on everything. It's not like I'm opinionated on everything, but if it's something that I care about, I'm passionate about, I'm going to speak up. You know, the Southern way is being polite and just like being easygoing and just like not trying to ruffle anything up and quiet way of life. And that's just not really me. My mom's like born and raised in New Jersey. So I definitely got that from her. She's just going to tell it like it is. And I definitely got that from her. I think it can be a good thing to speak up, like, um, in certain situations, like, how I kind of try to see it. Like, I'm an Enneagram 8. I don't know know if you're big on the Enneagram, but 8 is really about justice for others and sticking up for the little man and stuff like that. And I've got a lot of friends who are the greatest people in the world, but they don't necessarily feel empowered to stand up for themselves. So I sometimes find myself standing up for them. But what I'm trying to get them to do is to feel empowered themselves to stand up. Because, yes, you, there's a complete difference between being sweet and great and whatever. But you can still you know, have boundaries for yourself and set expectations of how you should be treated, whether in a relationship and work or wherever it is. So I just think people shouldn't be scared if something's bothering you. Speak up. You don't like how someone talked to a friend or a coworker. Speak up. I'm going to share my opinion on that. So it's not necessarily like superficial opinions like, oh, I don't like that outfit or something. It's more so just trying to get people to take charge of themselves and kind of own their own voice and feel like they're able to speak up in situations and not have like an anxiety or scaredness to do so. I feel like passion and opinionated kind of go hand in hand. And passion is such a gift to have. And to stick up for that passion that you believe in, I think is so important. And I think some may just perceive it as being opinionated. But I feel like you're a gift to others when you want to 
empower them to show strength and to be able to stand up and speak out for themselves. So that definitely is a beautiful gift that you're you're giving others. And like many others, you have hid behind your inner struggles and have put a brave front on mental health and your mental health issues and what you have struggled with. Can you share a little bit about your struggles with mental health illness? Yeah. So um, kind of like how we had been talking about the other day, I mean, I've for years struggled with anxiety and depression and I kind of always thought, oh, well, I can do it. Like I, I can power through, I can push through. I'm good. I don't, I don't need help. I can, I've always been like super independent. It's like running joke in my family. Like my parents, like even when you were a baby, you were so independent. So I think I've carried that throughout my whole life and feeling like I can, I can do it all. I don't need anyone to help me. Um, and so you know, I could manage it for a while um, through times, but I think obviously, you know, this past year really hit hard for a lot of people. And I think honestly, I probably should have, not probably, I know I should have reached out for help sooner um, than last year, but I really just hit a point where I just, I couldn't keep going anymore. Everyone knew there were like something's wrong. Like I mentioned earlier, I'd gone through like a tough breakup at the beginning of the year and then like a month or two later, COVID hit and we were stuck at home and, you know, you're just kind of stuck in your thoughts and everything and adjusting to the life of how was life going to be and that whole situation and figuring out our new normal. And, you know, it wasn't good. I lost like 20 pounds in a month, which is super unhealthy for me because I love to eat. But at this point, I, I couldn't like I, there were days like I would have to force myself to eat uh, just because I, I didn't want to. I just felt so just my anxiety was just awful and I just wasn't hungry I just I just was not in a great place and it was and it got to the point where I couldn't really put on that happy-go-lucky smile I mean everyone around me knew something was wrong you know and that was with us being home at COVID so it's not like they're physically seeing me and seeing it was just so apparent just through my actions or even calls with my boss she would like call me after and be like are you okay like something's off and so I finally just was like, I can't keep doing this. And why would I want to? Like, this isn't how I want to live life. So yeah, I, I consulted with my doctor and got on some uh, medication. And it took, you know, about a month or so to really fully kick in, but made all the world of difference. Um, I feel like I could just be and live and not feel just like this burden every day and this heaviness on my chest. So yeah, but I think it's it was definitely a long time coming. I've had conversations with my friends over the years about therapy and medication and what works best. And obviously, I think it, it's a per person basis. I don't think it's one size fits all. I think I dragged my feet on it because I just always thought I could do it. And then I realized, no, not you, not everyone can do it, everything all the time. And that's OK. And no one should feel bad about that. Um, and there shouldn't be this negative stigma about it. People need extra help to get through. And that's okay. Yeah, I'm really proud of you for discovering what was going on with you and that you needed to reach out to help yourself because it sounds like you're one that always reaches out to help others. And sometimes, you know, we say, you know, be the one for someone, but yet sometimes that one is you. But was there anything specific that held you back? Did you not really realize you were dealing with anxiety or was it the stigma? What was holding you back from reaching out for help? Honestly, for me, I've just always had it in my brain. Like, I've got it. I can do it. Like, I don't need any additional help. And I think it was like 
maybe a control thing to a point like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can control this. I can get myself to a better place. And then realizing, no, I can't. And I think what held me back was just thinking like, oh, well, I'll get better and it'll be fine. And I can do it all myself. And then, you know, realizing after time, like, no, I can't. And so, yeah, I think really it was just a personal thing. I think I just thought I could control it. And then obviously I could not. Right. And, and obviously with illnesses, we don't have control right? We, we have to seek the help and have to reach out, which is why I'm so grateful that you're here talking about it today, because I'm pretty sure that your story will resonate with someone else and, and hopefully be a little light switch that flips on and says, you know, I need to reach out for help too. Your bio states that you make the conscious decision every day to do the work on enriching your mental health. Explain. I think for me, what I mean by that, and this kind of goes back to what I said earlier, is like, we all have to do the work to be better. And that's in so many different aspects of life, whether it's personally, professionally, mentally, spiritually, I think we all have work to be done. And I think it just has to be a conscious effort. And I think for me, if I catch myself going down a mental rabbit hole, instead of just letting it slide to kind of sit down and process that. Okay, why am I thinking this way? Or why am I allowing this to get to this point? Instead of just letting things build up, you know, people can go through weeks or months of something and it just, they don't deal with it. They just push it to the side and then it becomes, it hits a point and then it's, it's overwhelming. And it could be little things. If you feel yourself falling in a bad pattern, just go out and just like walk outside, just get some fresh air, go sit outside by the pool and, you know, read a book. Enrich your brain. Just something. If you feel yourself starting to get in that place, to try to just not stay there. Uh, and I think it's easier said than done for sure. But that's kind of what I was referring to. And consciously be aware of your behaviors and the negative ones, especially, <laughs> and finding ways to um, work on them instead of just letting it consume you. Or, and the flip side of that, not using it as a crutch and being like, well, that's just how I am well, why is that? And like, can we work on that? And can we build on that to make yourself a better person instead of just saying, oh, well, that's just how I am and I'm never going to change. So I think just consciously doing the work um, and just being honestly aware of your behaviors. And I think the awareness of letting or accepting the fact that our mental health needs just as much support as our physical health. So if you're exercising every day, if you're you know, meditating, that helps your mental health. So it all goes hand in hand. So basically just summing up what we said is that mental health is health and you recognizing that you needed to do something for your mental health. So what are three things that you do? Maybe you go to treatment, maybe you're on medication, maybe you you meditate. How do you take care of you? So obviously the medication, daily medication is uh, crucial for me, um, for sure. I love yoga. A lot physically, it's a great workout, but then just mentally, just closing down, and then also just having open and honest conversations with my family and friends. I think that's something that could seem so little, but I mean, I think getting it out, and if you're having a tough time, um, letting someone know that, and not keeping it to yourself. And I just feel like it can make all the difference because it'll just eat you alive if you keep stuff like that in. And so I've been super blessed with amazing friends that are essentially my family. And I love my family. And I just think, you know, 
we have to be better support systems to each other um, and check in with one another so that people don't feel like they're alone and that they can't share with how they're feeling or what they're going through. Um, so I think, yeah, three, I would say you know, medication, yoga, and then just communication and like genuine, honest communication, not just talking and having conversations with chat, but not surface level, like the deep stuff and getting into that and talking it through, whether that's with a therapist. Yes, that's great. You've got to do that as well. But even like in between sessions, like, are you, do you have a support system built up where you can, if you're feeling overwhelmed one day that you can share what, how you're feeling and how you want to move past that. Um, so I think having strong relationships is key and really being able to talk about the real things of life because life is hard and people don't say it enough. And yes, the, you know, financially and all that, keeping up with the Joneses, but I think the mental toll of, you know, getting through life is difficult. And I think, you know, people need to acknowledge that and realize that it's okay to feel overwhelmed every now and then and just be able to release that, whether through conversation or working out or whatever it is, to try and get through the day because I think we all realize it and not everyone talks about it enough. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed at times. Well, you definitely give very wise advice. And I think that those that have the lived experience of those struggles we find what works for us and, and the ability to share it like you are doing now with true transparency, I think is so important. So thank you for that. And I also believe that, you know, you said you think talking is a little thing, but I really think that's the biggest thing that we can do, right? It's so easy and it's little, right? But we have to do it. And I think that for you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said with true honesty, because when we live our truth, right, that truth sets us free. So the conversation is so important. The narrative is so important. And Sydney, people like you are so important. And I just have really valued our time today and learning more a little bit, more importantly, about you and your, your story and how you are overcoming and living with your illness that, you know, should be talked about and not be judged and live like every other illness um, that people deal with. So... What is your last line that you would like to say to the listeners today? Oh, my last line, my parting wisdom. Honestly, I would just say, especially in this day and age, you know, kind of like the whole point of your behind the smile, you know, with social media and everything, everything looks so great and amazing through pictures and they're curated and you're seeing the best of people's lives. However, there's so much more to people's lives than the little squares on your feed. And I think there's going to be times where you really need someone or something or whatever. And I just think, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to tell someone what you're going through because I can promise that people might think, oh, well, it's, it's a burden if I offload all this stuff on them. It's not. And people would much rather you tell them what's going on with you than something happened to you later on down the line and they had no idea you were even struggling. Um, so I think just, don't be afraid to speak up. Um, if you're struggling, let somebody know. Um, and, and that's okay. And don't, don't feel bad about yourself if you find yourself in that situation. Thank you for sharing those words. So important. I love that. You know, you know what other people need because you've had to use them yourself. So Sydney, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? I'm on Instagram at Sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y underscore Alexa, A-L-E-X-A. I'm on Instagram, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Sydney Johnson at Vaco. But yeah, 
feel free to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your patience with us for starting with no power, but you know. Oh, of course. You did great. Thank you. Seriously, you've been great. You've been awesome through this whole experience. And I really appreciate all the work you're doing on this front. Oh, thank you. And please don't hesitate to reach out at any time if we can do anything for you. Read my book, I Understand Pain, Love, and Healing After Suicide. I will be reading it when I get back. All right. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. Such a pleasure meeting you. And keep that beautiful smile smiling on your face. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Such a fun conversation with Sydney, getting a sneak peek behind the scenes of my guilty pleasure, The Bachelor. I appreciate Sydney's transparency when talking about her own struggles with anxiety. She leaves us with tips and suggestions on how each one of us can face our struggles and persevere. You can learn more about Sydney Johnson on her social media platforms. Thank you to our community partner, Big B Coffee, for your continued support, allowing us to start the conversation with a Big B beverage. And thank you to Stuart Poltrock at Soundpost Studios for making us sound so good.